Bama versus Ohio State in Tuscaloosa. Notre Dame versus Michigan at the Big House. Imagine four of those matchups. Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games, or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Sports Forecasters Podcast. We are your hosts, Nathan and Nick. What's up, Nick? How's it going? It's going very well. Holiday season full and bloom. Bowl games aplenty coming up in the next few weeks. College football playoffs are finally settled. NFL is becoming more and more intriguing. So what are we going into first, Nathan? Well, just what you talked about, the college football playoff, because... You know, we have four teams in, and I I think they certainly got the right four teams. But I still, I really think, especially this year, there are plenty of teams I think that could compete um, for this championship because I, we clearly have seen that Georgia can be beat. I've always thought Alabama could be beat because they've kind of scraped by a few games this year. Also, you just don't know about Cincinnati, how good they're going to be against the big boys. So, Teams like Notre Dame, I even think Ohio State, even a very hot Baylor team could really compete in this playoff. So it, you know, brings us back to the conversation we've had before. It's like, should we expand this playoff? And, you know, we, we've heard everyone give their opinion here. And we I think we've even given our own opinion here as well. But I really thought about it this week. And I think I've came up with a really perfect solution well almost perfect solution i think there's one little caveat to it that i don't think any solutions can get around and i'll talk about that in a second but i was just i was getting ready you know i'm i'm putting my bowl game predictions together and i'm like gosh this sucks there's like no good college football until the end of december where you get a lot of these marquee matchups it's like we go through almost the entire month of december with like no really good college football everyone gets like a month off i mean we go like two weeks with just the army navy game which is a very american game don't get me wrong but from a football related standpoint you're not going to get the best talent on the on the field for that right so you got to wait like two weeks until you start the bowl game so then you get these weird random bowls of like teams you've never seen play all the way up till the end of December where you finally get some of that marquee matchups. And I'm just like, they're kind of losing my interest here because it's like once you go a few weeks here without these marquee matchups, I'm my focus on the NFL and not on the college football. So I have a solution here. So we want to expand the playoff, right? I, I initially thought 12, but I think 12 is a little bit too much because it's too many games played. So I'm going to go back to the eight. But here are my solutions. You have eight teams make the playoff, four automatic bids, four at large. The four automatic bids are the f- 
are f- the top four conference winners that have the most teams ranked in the top 25. So this year, that would be obviously the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, and I believe the Big 12. I believe those are the top four automatic, would be the automatic bids. So that's, that would be Alabama, Michigan, Pittsburgh, and Baylor. Automatic bids into the playoff. Then you'd have your four at-large bids. So these are, you know, maybe conference champions of conferences that didn't have as many in the top 25. So I would throw in a Notre Dame, which in this case, Notre Dame would always be an at-large bid if they ever want to get in the playoff. Notre Dame athletic boosters or whoever decides if they play in a conference should think about that. Um, it's always been a problem for Notre Dame not being in a conference. So it's, I'm not here to solve that problem. Um, so Notre Dame, Cincinnati, Ohio state, obviously Georgia. So those are the, I would say the four at large teams into the playoff. So the four automatic bids, I would say are your top four teams. So you would rank them in order and then the at large you'd rank five through eight to start off the bowl season. You play these quarterfinals matchups. So December 17th, um, bowl season starts. Right? on a, It's a Friday night. Maybe you can have two on a Friday night, two on a Saturday night, or one on a Friday night, three throughout Saturday. I don't care. But, like, you start off this bowl season because you go two weeks without your conference championships. And then, so right after that, you have the next weekend's Army-Navy game, which is a very cool game. And then the weekend after that, boom quarterfinals it would be like georgia versus pittsburgh or 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 notre dame versus michigan and alabama versus ohio state like what awesome matchups those would be right now so that way you get some marquee matchups right here in the middle of december you don't have to wait till another two more weeks after you've already waited two weeks till bowl season started to get those marquee matchups you get them right away so the automatic bids host the at-large bids. So it's not really a bowl game per se. It's just an additional game that's played on a home field. And then then that kicks off the bowl season. Then you have all the bowl seasons. And then you have the all the four winners from that will play in what we now know as the college football playoff. So those four winners go in and play the two semifinals and the final and the four losers, now this is the caveat. The four losers I vote are are automatic bids into a New Year's Six Bowl. So the four losers are matched up and to play in two New Year's Six Bowls. Now, one would might think, oh, you know, if, if these are marquee, high-caliber teams that have NFL talent, they lose and they're no longer in the playoff push, they're just going to have people drop out. And I understand that's already an issue anyway, so I'm not trying to solve that issue with this. People are going to drop out regardless. So if someone like a, an Alabama would get upset and lose in the quarterfinal and have no shot at the playoff and won't be playing at the end of December, you know, will they have some of their key people drop out? Potentially. But I still think Bama should compete for one of those marquee bowl games regardless because of how well they've played throughout the year. So I... I still stand by that and and still stand by, you know what, they have plenty of other people on that team that are going to step in and play. Because losing that early, I think, 
it kind of sucks for some of those fans. It's like, well, we don't really get to play in a bowl game and, and whatnot. But it's like you got to reward them for playing so well to deserve a shot at that playoff. But when you expand it, you're going to have more teams kind of lose at the end of the year instead of win. So I feel like the four losers should compete in two of the New Year's Six Bowls and the four winners go on to the what we know as the college football playoff. But in this case, we just continue on in the college football playoff. And those next two games of the final four teams would be played on the neutral field, just how they're played now in their respective bowl games. This would add one extra game uh, to two teams. Other than that, I don't know. I, I think this is a I think this is a very neat solution because it brings marquee college football in the middle of December, which we were missing right now. And we, we gotta go several weeks here without it. So I like the solution. What are your thoughts real quick before we get to our picks? I think some kind of sustained system of where we know who's coming in, who isn't coming in, I think would be the best first step to it. The top twenty five teams in each conference, I see the merit in it. But when you have an example of like in the Big Ten, where most of your ring teams are on one side of the conference, I think that's where we could run into some issues because for the Big Ten, the East side had more of the ranked teams than the West side. So then your conference looks like it is, which in this case, the East won. So it's kind of a mute point on my behalf. So I do like the idea of having something set in stone where we know who's going to make it. It's those bottom four spots that add the intrigue to it. I do think you're going to have the issue of teams continuing to play after they lose it. But like you said, you're trying to look for a solution on helping this college playoff system include everyone that gets in instead of someone off the corner grumbling, oh, my team didn't get in, we got hosed, blah, 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 which... As you said off the top, this year they did get the top four right. You and I both had pretty well written Alabama off, assuming Georgia was going to beat them, but they did what they had to. They had to win, and they did it very convincingly. So now we have the rankings that we have. I guess my best response to that is I like the idea of it. I think it would be better, and it creates that stability of understanding it. Just like in the pro sports, I understand college is not pro, but we're getting closer and closer to that line being more and more blurred. In the pros, we have certain criteria teams hit, and they go into the playoff system. And those teams on the outside of it have to hit certain things to continue on. I think having that stability for those top four teams helps create a better system and more dynamic play by those teams on that bubble. Things to happen. Not that they're not trying to win as it is, but you you see more jostling for position. You see better scheduling from teams to make sure they put themselves in the best position if a system like this would be in place. Yep, and I, I don't think there's a perfect solution. I, I Before, I've always kind of thought about it from just a football standpoint and what made sense. And I think with this solution, I'm thinking of more from like a business and even a fan standpoint and even a marketing standpoint. I think this idea that you kick off a bowl season with some of these marquee matchups is, is phenomenal, where it's like, Instead of, oh, yeah, Middle Tennessee versus Toledo to kick off the bowl season. Yeah, that's that's not as intriguing. You know, it's like Bama versus Ohio State in Tuscaloosa. Notre Dame versus Michigan at the big house. Like, imagine four of those matchups that you get to advertise for two straight weeks after the conference championships. That will get people viewing this stuff. That will get the juices going. That will get everyone excited. And then so you get they get two weeks off and then they play a game 
And then they get two more weeks off until they either play in their New Year's Six Bowl game or they play in the rest, you know, the remaining of the college football playoffs. So you don't have to worry about, like, rest or anything. They get basically a bye week in between each each game. Anyways, that's my vote. That's what I love. That's what I like. Um, so I hope someone high up in the college football world is, is listening to this and... You know, you can you can take my my idea and own it. I don't care. I don't I don't need to take responsibility for it. I just want to see something something done. Something needs to be changed. Most certainly, this year we feel like the four was selected correctly, but still having those other teams adds a different layer of dynamic. It makes you wonder what could be, what could we have, especially with your proposal of home games for that first round for those top four teams. I mean, that would just add a whole new level for regionally for that area to benefit as well as just markets across the country being able to really pour in it adds that excitement to it because March Madness has the the advantage of having so many teams that can enter it because of the dynamic of basketball where you can play multiple games within a short amount of time football because of the physical totality of it all we can't allow that we can't put in 60 some teams so having matchups that really gets everything jumpstarted because most years I forget the bowl game started. They start next week. Most years I'll forget that they've started and be like, oh yeah, that started. I better start looking at some games and picking some where have these, you have that interest right away. It's just like a movie, a movie. You don't want to start out too slow or you lose your audience. You want it to start out. Well, they get them intrigued, have something in the middle and have your climax at the end. You need to have those points set up, and this system would set that up. That would help fans kind of make their way through instead of being like, oh, is it the end of December yet? Exactly, and and people like me who's, uh, well, I want to say right now, but a lot of times it's, you know, eh, my NFL team's not in it. You know, it's the, my NFL season's over. It's December. It's like basically you know if they're going to make the playoff or not, and there's so many people, like half the NFL fan base is like they need something to cheer for, and so – that's another reason. It's like uh, you can turn to NFL, but it's like, uh, shoot, my New York Jets are out of it or, you know, or, or whatever. It's just like, yep. Anyways, there's pros and cons to both, but um, I just I thought about that. I was like, oh, my gosh, this seems like a really at least a potential good solution to solve a lot of the problems. Not all of them, but a lot of them. So anyways, we have some picks to make and um, we're just purely NFL this weekend. So you, let's jump right into those. Yes. Moving into our picks for this week, like Nathan said, we don't have any college games to pick for this week, but we'll get a few in with those bowl games happening next week. So to start us off, we're going with the spread picks. Nathan, what are you looking at for your spread pick for this NFL week 14? I'm going to I'm gonna go pick Vegas plus nine and a half here. Um, the Kansas City offense has really struggled. They've haven't they've they've historically this this year haven't really covered um against any of the spreads they did I know they did cover uh last week but another division game back to back Vegas lost the heartbreaker they seem to really they always seem to bounce back and they always seem to play very well against the high end teams this year I think nine and a half points is quite a bit um for Kansas City to overcome when they have such a very lackluster offense and Vegas has one of the top passing offenses in the league uh, you know if this was more like a six and a half I'd, I'd probably not pick it but nine and a half I'll give the points to Vegas here absolutely Kansas City is a team that just one week they look like 
they can take control of a game in a way we wouldn't think so. And then the next week, they just struggle to put anything together or anything up. That was an excellent pick. My pick is going to go with the NFC East, my division. Eagles are off this week, so no, they are not the pick. The pick this week is going to be the Cowboys covering the minus four and a half against the Washington football team. Washington football team has looked good these last few weeks, don't get me wrong, being able to put themselves in position to be two games away from taking division lead, and this would bring them closer. But I don't think it happens this week for them. Cowboys have won all their games when they rush over 100 yards in the game. So they have the game plan game plan and blueprint to win this game the next question is offense hasn't looked so good and i understand it hasn't looked good but you've had a lot of your receivers out for covid or different injuries and they're all coming back healthy last week started off a little rough a little slow but they took control of that game so cowboys win this week covering the minus four next to our over and under what do you have for your over under i'm gonna go to new orleans versus the new york jets i'm gonna do the over the 43 and a half uh zach wilson's back he looks pretty good um, I, I know the Saints offensively haven't been looking so good, uh, but they get to play the worst defense in the league. So I think they're going to find some juice. Also, the Saints defense has really taken a step back the last few games. So um, 43 and a half seems very low. I think uh, Zach Wilson, the Jets are going to be able to exploit some of the weaknesses. The Saints defenses have been showing lately. And because the Jets defense is so bad, I think the Saints are going to be able to, uh, to put some points on the board. You know, when you look at an over-under, I've learned it's not really like, okay, two really, really good offenses, pick the over. Um, it's more two really not-so-good defenses, pick the over. A lot of these offenses actually look way better than what they normally are because they're playing against terrible defenses. And so um, I think a lot of the times these over-unders are more focused on the offense as opposed to the lack of defense. So I like the over here on the 43-and-a-half. Actually, that's the same game I had as well for many of the same reasons you said. I think both defenses have been very maligned as of late. Saints came on strong at the beginning of the season, but they've just been so dependent on because of the offense's inconsistency to be able to produce and injuries on the offensive side just have not helped them get on track. But I do think this game goes over 30, 43 and a half as well. Moving on to our money line. Our money line. What is your upset pick for this week, Nathan? Yeah, I'm going to pick this team based solely on I, I think they're going to be the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of last year. And that's the L.A. Rams. Um, I'm going to pick them to upset the Cardinals. It's a huge division game. Huge division game. Um, they got beat by the Cardinals earlier this year on their home turf. The Rams haven't been playing well lately. And they had a good win against Jacksonville. But um, they got a lot to figure out. They've, they've got this new talent in. They made a lot of changes. So I understand it's gonna. There's some growing pains there, but the same thing happened with the Buccaneers last year. They is about this time of year, late November, um, where they just like got in this rough patch. Um, they acquired Antonio Brown. They made some changes, and it was just they're just trying to get used to it. And then they reeled off five straight wins into the playoff. I think the Rams are that team this year. I think you're gonna see them win their last four to five games and be the one of the hottest teams going into the playoff. So I like the Rams to beat the Cardinals. Excellent pick. My pick goes in the division you mentioned with last year's Tampa Bay Bucks of the NFC South. I'm going with the Falcons and Panthers. Falcons are the underdogs here. I think they have potential of winning it. Last time they played the Panthers, it ended up being 19 to 16, where they were missing their top receiving options. One of those receiving options has not returned, still on mental leave, but Russell Gage is back. Falcons seem to be finding a groove. Panthers just fired the offensive coordinator. Usually that means good things for the offense. Usually they have this outstanding output or just 
this game where they look like they put it together. I'm not sure what you're getting with Cam. I'm not buying on that. So I'm going to say the Falcons end up getting the upset here against the Panthers this weekend. Moving on to Sunday night football. Sunday night football, we have a matchup that many thought should be flexed out for the Bucks bills but was not. We have the Bears visiting the Green Bay Packers. Nathan, what are you seeing for this game? Oh, this is such a tough game. It's a 12-and-a-half point point uh, differential here. I'm going to take Chicago 12-and-a-half. And I, I'm, Justin Fields is going to be back. This is a division game, and I just think, hey, you know, to win by two touchdowns um, in a division game is going to be very hard to do. And so th- this is really hard pick for me. I, I don't, I don't, I am, this is a coin flip. So I'm just trying to pick the right side of the coin here and I'm going to go with Chicago 12 and a half. But this is, this is about what I thought the game was going to be around a 10, 12 point victory for, for the Packers. So um, very, very tough move here. And I think the over under is spot on to what I think the score is going to be. So uh, I'm just going to go Chicago, Chicago 12 and a half. Same in terms of, really debating how to go with this game what do i go with with this game what does it look like bears yeah they put up some points against the cardinals but they're mostly throwaway points at that point in the game where they had lost the game through turnovers from andy dalton justin fields comes back as intrigued to it but packers just look like like we said a few weeks ago they're just rolling they're running away with this division like they're just trying to solidify things up so i think giving them 12 and a half is just too many points because the packers are just going to do enough to stay in front of the bears to where it's a two possession game the coin flip of what side of that two possessions is is it going to be more of 10 points it's going to be more of 14 points so i'm going to say that it's going to be under the 14 points or in this case under the 12 and a half as well because over and over and under i'm not convinced bears offense slash defense can contain enough and then Packers defense, sometimes they're blights out, sometimes they're not. So over and under, not feeling strong enough, but I'm feeling strong enough that the Bears will keep it within 12 and a half. Moving on to the wild card picks we have for this week. Nathan, where's your wild card pick going? I'm going back to the Rams and Cardinals. I'm going to pick the under the 52 because I think the Rams are going to win. I think this is going to be a defensive battle. I think this is going to be chippy. I think it's going to be super aggressive. Um, Ramsey's and the Von Millers and the Donalds. I just, I just think this, this is going to be like a almost feel like a like a rivalry game. Like they've always hated each other, but it's just it's more of a like the Rams really want this division. And they know they have to win this game. So I just see this game being very ugly, very chippy. Um, do you see, though, they're known for the two power offenses. I don't think it's going to be a, sh- a shootout by any stretch of the imagination. I think this is going to be more of a dog fight. So I like the Rams, and I like this to be the under the 52. That's not my pick, but I do agree with what you're saying. It can't be a dog fight if you're the Rams. Um, Matthew Stafford kind of went into some Detroit tendencies. Some not his fault. Some just fell off receivers' hands, which you kind of wish there was a stat for that to kind of show that differentiation. But for the Rams to have the chance to win, they can't be in an arcade matchup. And I don't know that the Cardinals right now have that firepower right now. They look dynamic, don't get me wrong, but I don't know that they have all those pieces to get back into that firefight. But we'll see what happens there. My wildcard pick goes into Seahawks and Texans. Texans are just vying for that number one pick at this point, which they don't own, or do they own the rights to? I think they have the rights to this one. Maybe not. I'd have to double check. But Texans basically are shipwrecked. They're just trying, they're staying adrift. They're like, we're an NFL team. We participate in games. We're here. I believe the Seahawks beat them by more than the seven and a half they're given. So I have the Seahawks winning by eight points or more. 
and a matchup I was curious about, Nathan, this isn't a pick, but what is your take on the Bills and Buccaneers game? Because a lot's being made up of that game because people early in the season thought that was a potential Super Bowl matchup. How things are looking, we'll see how that turns out because things happen in the playoffs. But what, what are you liking in that for the Bills and Buccaneers? Well, this is going to be my other upset pick. Um, I think the Bills upset the Buccaneers in this game. AFC versus NFC this year, especially the, the high-caliber AFC teams against the high-caliber NFC teams this year are astonishingly like, the high end AFC teams are typically beating the high end NFC teams this year when they when they when they face off. So, Bills lost a heartbreaker, obviously to the Patriots. They know how much they need this game so bad. Bucks have a really good rush defense. Their pass defense isn't that good. Bills don't really run the ball. They can pass the ball very well. So the Bills rush defense isn't very good, but the Buccaneers rush offense isn't like. They're not running 120 yards a game. So I think the matchup favors the Bills in this game. And I the only caveat is is on the road for them. And so that's why it's like, uh, I'm not, I, if it was in Buffalo, I'd be like, oh, upset pick. This is my upset pick. There's no doubt. But Buffalo probably would have been favored anyways. Uh, but on the road after that tough loss, um, I see the Bills bouncing back. I really think the Bills upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, and I'm looking at the over and under for this one. I just like that line a little better. I think if this is going to be the matchup, it's going to, well, if the Buccaneers are going to win, I guess this is the mindset I was going. If the Buccaneers are going to win, it has to go over those 52 points because they are not going to contain the Bills passing attack unless Josh Allen is gifting them interceptions, which he's been better about. He, he's been better about doing that. He's been more diligent and more meaningful with his ball distribution so i i was going to look at the over and under if this was going to be a pick that would have been what i looked at but yeah i totally agree with what you're saying the bill's strength offensively just cripples the buccaneers defensive weakness and the problem with the buccaneers as of late is colt's game really came down to we just got lucky with a lot of turnovers and good positions and we just did just enough to get those points so we could pull ahead so it would be, it's definitely an interesting game. I do wish it was a Sunday night football game like many of the other people are clamoring for. Not that Bears and Packers couldn't be intriguing, just it doesn't look like it will be. But that's why they play the game. Any final words? Yeah, yeah. I they need to push that one up to Sunday night football or like even the Monday night football game, man. That's a really good game. So this is this is the AFC's been crazy this year. Um just talking to somebody else, it's just like the Dolphins started one and seven and they could be literally a game back of that playoff spot by the week end of the week. And they don't even play this week. So um, it, it's, it's a crazy, crazy conference this year, but it's, that's, as you say, that's why we play the games. Absolutely. So with the NFL taking center stage this week in the football landscape, we'll look this how that looks. And then we'll look in the bowl games coming into the following weeks. But that's going to put a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Sports Forecasters. He's Nathan Singer. I'm Nick Alvarez. We'll see you next time.